Amen. You may be seated. Well, we find ourselves in this holiday season again, and I want to wish all of you the very, very best. The gift has become an annual opportunity for us to give back to God during the Christmas season. Our fellowship family has developed a culture of generosity, believing that through the leadership of the Holy Spirit and in obedience to God, our resources can be used to make a difference locally, regionally, and globally. Last year, the people of fellowship gave over $560,000 to the gift, which was prayerfully distributed by the elders to many worthy causes around the world. This year, we will again review the many requests made, but will also consider reducing the current debt with Fellowship Bentonville. Throughout the month of December, we are asking that you please prayerfully consider donating to the gift again. It's between you and God. We will make special envelopes available, or you can visit the giving page on our website, fellowshipnwa.org forward slash the gift. Thank you for your participation in the past and the difference you've made in the lives of so many through your generosity. Let's never forget how good God has been to us. Merry Christmas. We can say that, right? Yeah, you bet we can. Hey, there are lots of gifts going on. Mickey's talking about the gift. We've got envelopes and flyers by the door, so you can pick up those up if you are interested in participating in the gift. And I got a gift this morning. I got here before uh, the sun had risen, so it was dark. Our officers very kindly shone the, the spotlight, which most occasions you don't want to see, right? They shined the spotlight on me so I could come in. I thought they were being really kind, but actually what they were doing, they started playing jingle bells over the PA system, but it wasn't the regular jingle bells, it was the one where the dogs bark. As I walked into the church, can you believe that? Everyone's a little ornery, but we're glad you're here this morning. If you're visiting with us, we're especially glad you're here. We would love to get you connected with the church. We can do that in a couple ways. One, you can stop by the booth in the middle of the foyer. We'd love to see your face, shake your hand, answer any questions you have. Or you can scan this QR code, go to the Fellowship app, either one, go to the website, and just fill out a, a little brief information, and we'll follow up with you right away. We would love the opportunity to tell you why we love our church and get you connected if that interests you. If you are interested in coming to the, the Christmas Eve services, I think we have five services this year. Um, if you would, you need to go online and make reservations. It just lets us know um, who's coming when and lets you know what, what services are still available. So you can scan the QR code. You can do that on the app. Um, lots of things like that. Hey, we've got tons of, of Advent resources. One is our daily devotional. We've got our daily devotional. And uh, you can sign up for those. It's really fun to hear our staff. Um, they write those and then they also read them. And so you can listen to it audibly if you want to. And then we've also got Mickey's podcast this month, in the month of December, um, is uh, he's basically reading the Christmas story, and that's coming out this week. And so if you want to, uh, maybe you're going on a car ride, maybe you just want to curl up for a nap and hear Mickey's voice, but you, could, uh, you can subscribe to that and get that on the website or where you get podcasts, and it's a great Advent resource um, for you. Today, we light the Bethlehem Candle of Joy, and I'm going to invite Aaron Shaw and Jeremy Simons up, and they're going to come up and light the candle for us. Thank you, guys.
Thank you, thank you, thank you. Merry Christmas. We, the Deaf Ministry, we have such joy to be here with you all. Bless you. The scripture today is Romans 15, 13, and it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, may you be our joy as we continue to worship you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. The song we're about to sing, Joy to the World, you're probably familiar with. And in it, it says, and let every heart make him room. And you know, as I've tried to prepare my heart for worship, one of the things I've been doing because there's a lot of planning that goes on in these services. I don't know if you know that or not, and especially this time of year. The, the choir rehearsed this week. There's lots of planning, lots of back and forth. So we've got an app we follow. And on that app, I can listen to the songs we're singing. And so it's really cool. It, it actually prepares my heart. And I was thinking, is the one thing we can't plan for, the one thing we can't prepare for you is your heart. You've got to prepare that for the Lord, and we've got a wonderful service today, so I want to give us a moment just to take a few minutes, if you would, just bow your head and ask the Lord this question, Lord, would you prepare my heart? Would you prepare my heart? And if the Lord brings something up that's going on in your life, just, just try to give it to him. If there's a disagreement going on, if there's a sin that needs to be confessed, just take a moment and exhale confession and inhale forgiveness. Ask the Lord to prepare your heart this morning. Would you stand with us once again? Let's continue to sing and celebrate. Sing it out. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let Sounding. 
Let's take a moment to rest in the names of our Messiah. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, and Everlasting Father. This morning, and we're going to be continuing in Luke 1, the Christmas story, and we're going to look at Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. We're going to look at fulfilled prophecies. John was born to prepare the way for the coming of Christ. Towards the end of our passage, we see another name given to Jesus, and it's the rising sun. That the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. So as we sing, would you continue to worship and see Jesus as the true light of the world? the light in the midst, the darkness of our own lives and our own circumstances. God, there is hope and there is peace. There's joy and love found in you. So we continue to praise your name together. Darkness at the world wait for light to show the way. Slave to sin in the shadow the promised prince of peace and life, wandering people losing sight, came this marvelous silent night. By tender mercy of our God, this child. Thank you. 
all the glory we see. Would you pray with me? Lord, we're so grateful we get to gather here together and we just pray that you would be with us. Lord, you would, you would teach us. You would open our eyes to, Lord, what we're missing. Lord, we pray that you would encourage us, that you would walk ahead of us and you would convict us and you would challenge us. 
Lord, you would grow us and through your Holy Spirit that we would walk out of here encouraged people with renewed hope and peace. Lord, we thank you for the season and we thank you for your son. We pray it all in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I do love Christmas time, and I love it here at Fellowship. It's such a wonderful time, and I don't know about you, but wherever, whatever place you're coming from, whether it's a place of hurt or hope, that you walk through these doors and you just, I feel the Holy Spirit's presence. I feel encouragement. I just love Christmas time at Fellowship. But when you think of Christmas, just, just all around, when you think of Christmas, what, what movie character or what person first comes to mind. It, maybe it's somebody like this. You got to love that guy, don't you? Buddy the Elf. His childlike outlook on life is so encouraging. Or, or what about this guy? Home Alone. Yeah, we, we love. Matter of fact, I've never heard my kids laugh so hard. These belly laughs when they watched Home Alone. It's just so encouraging and just the, the spirit it brings up. Or, or maybe you're more of a traditionalist. Maybe you like, it's a wonderful life, right? Somebody gave it a shout out last service. Those are, those are the people that get up early. They like wonderful life. Uh, or, or maybe you're a cartoon person, Frosty the Snowman, right? You gotta love Frosty. Somebody's like, what about Santa? We don't talk about Santa in church. So can't, but there's one more. What about this guy? Ralphie. You remember Ralphie? What's the word? You'll shoot your eye out, Right? Well, when you, think of, when you think of Christmas, what about biblically? What about Bible characters? Obviously, there's the first family, right? There's, there's Joseph and Mary, and of course, Jesus is the reason for the season. But then you move on past that, there's the, the wise men and the shepherds, maybe the innkeeper. But we're going to talk about someone this morning who has an incredible, incredible importance in the Christmas story, but we don't talk about them very often at Christmas all four Gospels emphasize his role in preparing the way for the coming Christ. We don't talk about him that often. You've probably guessed it by now. His name's John the Baptist. He was a prophet who was Malachi's prophesied Elijah. His purpose was to come prepare the people to purify the priesthood. He's the forerunner for Jesus, the herald for the coming king. His purpose was to encourage the nation of Israel, a people who maybe, maybe because of the hundreds of years of, of not hearing from God were a little bit not attuned to him. On a more personal side for his mother Elizabeth and his father Zechariah, John was the answer to years of prayer for a child. You see, Zechariah was a priest he was one of many priests. His division was one of 24 divisions that served at the temple, and they only got to serve at the temple two weeks a year. There were lots of priests. They had to take their turn, so they're two weeks a year. And today was Zechariah's day, possibly a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity where he got to be the one that went into the temple and represented the people to God. He would burn the incense. He would prepare the sacrifice. He would spend his time in the temple. And as tradition would have it, that when his priestly duties are over, when he would exit the temple, there would be people there waiting for him, and he would, he would, he would say a benediction, a blessing. And it would go something like this. 
It's probably really familiar. Numbers chapter six, he would, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and lift up and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. It would have been something just like that. Probably that benediction. And we pick up the story this morning with Zechariah and he's in the temple still with the angel because the angel just appeared to him. Look at Luke chapter one, verse 13. It says this. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. And you will have great joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great before the Lord. You see, there's a couple storylines going on here. There, there's, a, there's a big story and it's, it's, it's God's redemptive plan that's going on. That God's redemptive plan that he's gonna fulfill his promise that he made to the people long ago about the coming Messiah. And John has a role, their son has a role in this. That his job is to prepare the people, prepare the hearts to make room in their hearts. But there's also a smaller personal story going on here. It's of a, a mom and a dad, Zechariah and Elizabeth, and how God includes them in this, in this big, massive story he has, but their story is that he's answering their prayer. God has a plan, but he's also answering their prayer. The passage says this, your prayer has been heard, and that Elizabeth would have a child, and that they, and this wouldn't be a big deal except for they've, for years, been trying to have a child. Matter of fact, they were too old to have a child. It would be a miraculous birth. And I know a number of you in this room, as you read that opening passage this morning, as I walked up here, you were able to identify with Zachariah and Elizabeth, that you've dealt with the pain of infertility. And I wanna tell you, as a church body, we want to acknowledge that and love you through that and surround you. We don't wanna discard it and we don't wanna not think about it. As a church body of believers, we want, don't wanna run from that hurt. We wanna surround you. And I think the Lord, through Zechariah and Elizabeth, he shows the same thing. And we don't always know the outcome, but we know that God doesn't run from pain either, that he loves and cares about us, especially through our hardest time. But not only does he address their prayers here, he says, it says, your prayers have been answered. Not only does he say that you will have joy and gladness, but listen to this, many will rejoice at his birth. So not just the family, but many. See, something's going on here. He will be great before the Lord. You see, the reason many will rejoice is the fact that God's gonna use their son, John, in an amazing way. And so that begs the question, doesn't it? How is God gonna use their son? Look at the next verse. And he, John, will go before him, Jesus, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and make the disobedient and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. You see, before the angel Gabriel appeared to Zechariah, who, by the way, was also the same angel who appeared to Mary later, the people of God hadn't heard from him for 400 years. 
Now, God had been active. He'd been working, but they had no, no biblical record. You see, from the last words of the Old Testament to the first words of the New Testament is this, this time period called the intertestamental time period. It's, it's the 400, the silent years. And, and what's going on here is, is John's going to stand in the middle of that, and he's going to be the bridge or the gap. And so you might ask the question that in, the, in Luke uh, 117 there, what's the significance of, of him coming in the power and spirit of Elijah? That kind of sounds weird, doesn't it? What's the significance that he's going to turn hearts of fathers to children? What's the significance that he's going to make ready a people for the Lord? And what's interesting is we've got to go back to the Old Testament to answer that. So if, you, if you've got your Bible, turn to the very last words of the Old Testament, the last two verses of the book of Malachi. Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6 say this. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet. For we know it's an Elijah-like prophet. His name's John. Before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn, listen, the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Now, what Malachi is saying here is in order for revival to come, there's going to be this, this other prophet, this Elijah-like prophet. And, and, the, and you're going to see revival in the family and the hearts of parents, the hearts of fathers, are going to, lead, they're going to turn to their kids. They're going to lead their homes. And the hearts of children are going to turn to their parents. You see, what they're saying is, is, is for these families, you, you have to not miss the Messiah. He's doing something. The Lord's doing something. And what we're going to see in just a moment, the Lord is keeping his promises. The, the goats of the Old Testament prophets, Elijah and, and Isaiah and Malachi, everything they're doing is pointing to the OG, Jesus. He's coming. God's going to do exactly what he's always said he was going to do. But there have been 400 years. And you imagine there's probably some spiritual cobwebs. There's probably some things that, that, that generationally they've left out. And so he said, you're going to see this revival happen. But let me do a timeout for just a minute. What's it going to take in our homes in, in this time during Christmas to not miss the Messiah? What's it going to take? What's it going to take for you this holiday season to, with your family or with your neighbors to, to not miss that time with Jesus? The reason for the season. You know, we've got some great Advent resources. I mentioned them just a little while ago. I mean, th those devos are awesome. Our family ministry produced this incredible Advent uh, uh, resource. I think we ran out of them in the foyer, but you can still get them online. Just spend some time where you, you, you push the pause button. Take some extended time and just pray. Do something that's out of your normal rhythm. Don't miss the moment. In the passage, in the verse, he says that John will come in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of parents or fathers to their children. And then he gives that mission statement for him to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now you got to fast, we're going to fast forward nine months. You see, Elizabeth's been pregnant with their baby John for nine months. And you think about it, they, they, say, they say she, she was kind of 
holed up for a while. She was, she was kind of out of sight. But we know one visitor was her niece Mary, don't we? Who had an even more miraculous birth and how Elizabeth ministered to her through, through her being pregnant. Can you imagine the stories those two ladies could tell each other? Pretty incredible. But we're fast forwarding nine months to the time when John's born. And on the eighth day, like, like tradition had it, he was gonna be circumcised. And everyone asked, hey, what will his name be? And his mom says, John. And that would be very uncommon. Typically, they would expect him to be named Zechariah. And so they all turn to, the, to Zechariah like, for him to answer because he can't speak still. For nine months, he's been unable to talk. And so he writes on a tablet, not an iPad, like a, a wax paper or wax cloth thing. And he says, his name will be John. And then a miracle happens. Look at the passage with me. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke blessing God. And the fear came on all their neighbors and all these things were talked about throughout the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts saying, what then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And then what happens next is Zechariah writes a song. It's a hymn, it's a, uh, it's, it's a hymn of prophecy, it's a, it's a psalm or a song. And it starts out in 67, describing it. It says, and his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And we know that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. We know that John was filled with before he was born and prophesied, saying. And then he, he basically sings this song or writes this song. Now, this is called the Benedictus. And it's, it's the second song in the book of Luke. The first song is Mary's song, the Magnificat. It's more well-known, isn't it? Mark talked about it last week. But this one's equally, it's not, not as well-known, but equally powerful. And it's broken into two parts. The first part, maybe you could call it the first verse, is the fulfillment of a promise, a, a praise to God for, for keeping his promise. And, and it's interesting. And then the second part is, the, is basically the blessing of a father, it's a description by a dad of his son's job, of what his life is going to be like. You can think about it this way. When Zechariah would emerge from the temple, he would have given that blessing, that, that number six blessing, but he didn't have the opportunity to do that because he couldn't speak. But here's what's happening. Now he's gonna give that blessing, but it's not gonna be from numbers. It's gonna be a song that he writes, and it goes like this. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. You see, there's some important things going on here. First of all, he gives two verbs, visited and redeemed. They're both very important. Visited is where we get Advent from. It's, it's basically uh, Zechariah is praising God because he's doing what he said he would do and his, he's visiting them. He's coming into view or he's arriving. But the second is even more important. He's redeeming them. See, the mission of God throughout the scriptures was to rescue and redeem people. We saw in the Old Testament when Moses led God's people out of slavery into the promised land. And now this is a fulfillment in what's going on with Jesus. And then he uses those words, horn of salvation. You may have always wondered what that means. 
Well, the, the word, the horn, is a sign of strength. It's, it's from an animal. In those days, the animals that had horns were very revered. It was a sign of strength. And then the word salvation means the Messiah or Jesus coming. Psalm 132, the psalmist says this, there I will make a horn to sprout from David. And we know from history, we also know from this passage that, that the Messiah will come from David, from the line of David. There are so many Old Testament references, 16, one theologian says, just in this song of the Old Testament. Well, the song goes on. The, second part, the first part still, look at 72. To show the, mercy, show the mercy promised to the fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. Now, there's something really interesting going on here. I'm gonna nerd out for you on you just a moment. Just bear with me. I'm not a big literary person. Um, never have been. I didn't love English. Didn't do good in, in school. But, but what's going on here is incredible. He's using a literary structure here called a chiasm or a chiastic structure. And what he's doing in this, the, the, the last word in the song mirrors the first word. And the, the second to last word mirrors the second word. And it kind of works its way out. And what it does, it, it points to the purpose of the writing. Now look here with me. The God of Israel matches with the mercy of our God. The horn of salvation, which we know Jesus, matches with this idea of knowledge of salvation. The prophets of old from the Old Testament with the prophet of the Most High, which is John. We'll hear more about that in a minute. Our enemies, our enemies. And it points to the purpose is that God is remembering his covenant. And although that may not be huge for us, it's huge for this people. Zachariah is realizing that, that God's gonna do what he promised he would do. And he's gonna use his son in the time for this. Here's the big idea. Don't miss the Messiah. Whatever you do, don't miss the Messiah. And we know from Zechariah the promised gift of God. God is doing exactly what he said he would do all throughout scripture. Don't miss the moment. God loved him so much that he sent his baby, a miraculous birth, who lived a perfect life, who died a sacrificial death, and overcame death by this glorious resurrection. Don't miss it. It's what we're celebrating right now. And beginning with verse 76, we actually move into the second part of the song, and there's something really interesting that happens. Zechariah actually transitions from talking in the past tense of what God's already done with the Messiah, Jesus, to what he's going to do with John. Well, it's interesting because John's born before Jesus. So when you think about that, what he's talking in the future tense because you have a father speaking to his son. You think about, he's a father that's pretty old. He's a father that might not be around when John goes through some of these hard times. And listen to this father's words. And you, child, will be called prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge for salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. And you, child, 
It's a dad speaking to his son. Hey, buddy, I may or may not be around during this time. When you read this, when you get to the age where some of this starts to apply, but you got this because you will be a child of the Most High. It's a blessing of the Father. So there's a couple things going on. You got this foundational fatherly blessing, and then you got this prophetically powerful passage that you and me see. You know, it's interesting, this, this, just a few weeks ago, I went to a funeral, and um, I wasn't leading it or anything, I was just going to it, and I happened to have an appointment in Springdale, so I was late getting there. And so I showed up late, my wife was already inside, and, and as I showed up, I was looking at some of the things that the family had out there that, from this gentleman, his name's Lynn Garst, he's a, a longtime beloved guy here at Fellowship, and, and so I was looking, I didn't realize he had a military career, and they had some of the things out there. And then I knew his days as a coach and, and coaching. He loved to coach and he is an educator. And, and, uh, and, and so as I was listening, kind of, it's hard to walk in the chapel without everybody knows. And so I was kind of listening and I heard his sons talking about him and just eulogizing him and just saying incredible things about him. But then I heard his daughter stand up there. And she's a friend of mine. I work with her here at Fellowship. And it was incredible. You know, as this young lady, she began to articulate in such a kind and and, and, and impressive manner of what her dad meant to her in her life and to others. And you know, I, just, I was just listening. I had to walk in because it was so well done. I, as a matter of fact, I wanted to record it. I wanted to have some of our young pastors list like, this is how you do a eulogy. And you see, the reason she could do it is because her dad gave her a lot of material. The reason she could do it is because her dad blessed her. Her dad loved her. It was incredible. And I think that's what Zachariah's doing here. He's saying, bud, I may not be around, but you got this. And you, child, will be called prophet of the Most High. You, child, you will go before the Lord. He's gonna be a paradigm shifter. See, I think Zachariah knew he was gonna have a very hard life. It's very interesting. If you're a prosperity gospel person, this, this doesn't work out. John's life doesn't work out for you because he lived a very hard life, a challenging life, and he suffered a very tragic death. But he followed the Lord faithfully always. And then he says these words, he says, uh, you're the prophet of the most high. And what's interesting here, those words actually, they, they, they attach John to Jesus, but they also differentiate him from Jesus. In verse 32 of this same chapter, uh, Luke calls Jesus the son of the most high. And here he calls John the prophet of the most high. So it kind of ties them together. But he also, what he also does is he says, Jesus is here. He's the son. John's the prophet. And you know, John didn't have a problem with this, but everyone else did. They kept trying to say that John was the, you know, the savior. And he'd be like, no, 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 no. Behold the lamb. No, 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 no. I'm not fit to untie this guy's sandals. See, John knew where he was at. Knowledge of salvation. He's the horn of our salvation, Jesus is. He's to go, John's role was to go before the Lord and prepare his way. Isaiah says this about him, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for God. John, that's your goal. So, so here's the big idea. Don't miss the Messiah. He's come, his first advent, as a baby in a manger. 
Don't miss it this holiday season as you celebrate it. Yesterday, I was trying to buy a, uh, a present for one of my kids, and I'd waited too long. And when I went online to order it, guess what happened? Arrival date, December 29th. Have you had that problem? And, uh, you know, I got, started to get bent out of shape and wondering how I could fix it. And, and I go to the pastor, don't miss the Messiah. All that doesn't matter. Don't miss the Messiah, the promised gift of God. You know, Jesus did come as a baby in the first advent, but here's what you need to know. He's coming again. It's called the second advent. But this time he's not coming as a baby in a manger. He's coming as a conquering king. And here's the interesting thing. Do you know who the way preparer for the second advent of the coming king is? You and me. That's our job. Our role on this earth is to be a John the Baptist type figure for the watching world, for our neighbors, for our coworkers, and for our friends. That's our role. So the challenge is don't miss the Messiah. The challenge is to be a John the Baptist in our current world today. Would you pray with me? Lord, we are so grateful that we get to gather. We are so grateful for how you're moving in an incredible way in our hearts and our minds. Lord, I pray that you would not allow us to leave here today without impressing upon each one of us. What does that mean for us? What does it mean to not miss your son? Lord, I know there's people here who don't know you and don't have a relationship with you, and I pray for them that you would just impress upon them that to join the family of God to believe what your word says. Lord, for those of us here that do know you, Lord, I pray you would impress upon us. What's our role for your return? Would you open our eyes? Would you show us in our hearts? Would you stand with us as we see? You are the king of the 
You know, unfortunately, a lot of people did miss the Messiah. As a matter of fact, I found this tragic verse in chapter 19 of Luke, verse 44. It says this, they will <clears throat> dash you to the ground, you and your children. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Fellowship, let's don't miss the Messiah. Let's be people who prepare the way so others don't miss the Messiah. May Northwest Arkansas be a different place. No, may the world be a different place because this church exists. I'll leave you with this. Fellowship, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. God bless you. Have a great Christmas.